Lord Jesus, we are so thankful that we are your children. We're so thankful that you love us, that you call us your own. That God, when we fail you, when we don't measure up to the standard, God, you still invite us in. You still welcome us home. God, your grace is enough. Your love is enough. And God, this morning I pray that we might know that grace and that love in a life-changing way. God, that you might stir it so deep within us. So that, God, we would remember whose we are and who we are. That we are your children, loved by the King, welcomed home. God, we thank you so much for for Mandy and for the way you've drawn her into relationship with you. And, and Lord, we just thank you for the step of baptism she's taken this morning, the declaration of faith that she is yours, that she's unashamed. And God, we pray that you would continue to lead and guide her life. And just as we're in this attitude of worship, we want to lift up the situation in Turkey and Syria as well, uh, where it's been over, last I've heard, over 20,000 people have, have lost their lives. And, so much devastation and God we know that you are a God of complete mercy complete grace complete love and God when when terrible things like this happen and we've got big questions God we know that you can handle them we know that you are a God who loves and you're a God that we can turn to and so God we turn to you when we don't know what to say or what to pray and God we pray that the those people in Turkey and Syria and uh, the surrounding areas, the countries that are involved in giving aid, God, that there would be a, a, such a strong sense of, of unity and a strong sense of generosity. And God, that you would, you would bring hope in a hopeless situation. And that you would use the, the generosity of, of people all across the world to show love, compassion, pray for families that are still unsure of where loved ones are and people with significant injuries, God, and people who have lost loved ones, God. We just pray that you would be their guide, you would be their comfort, you would be their peace in a situation that seems so difficult. Lord God, we, we thank you that you are laudable. You know the beginning, you know the end, you know everything in between. We can trust you. So, God, would you help us to do that? Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing in our own lives, in our in our church, what you're doing in Yarra, what you're doing in Locksport. God, we pray that you will continue to use us for your purpose, for your glory, and for your will. We pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Please grab a seat. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to be with you this morning. Great to see a full house. Uh, we've got our people from Locksport and Yarram who've made the, the trip down. Fantastic. And next week, as Brock mentioned, there's a prayer walk in Yarram after the service. So if you thought, oh, I'd really like to go and check out what's happening in Yarram or Locksport, why not next week? Make a, make a Sunday of it. Go down, check out the service, um, and maybe let Sophie and Greg all know that you're coming so they can put out 100 extra seats. I'm sure you could squeeze, squeeze 100 extra in, couldn't you? Cool, yeah, you'd make it happen. Um, and they would, love to, they would love to host you and have you there. And then 
have some lunch and go for a pray and a walk afterwards. It'd be fantastic. Very cool. Well, we are in week two of a little series called Spirit and Truth. Spirit and Truth. And so last week, um, I talked about this idea of Spirit and Truth sort of being our theme for the year. Uh, And so typically at the start of February, we set a bit of a direction, a bit of a vision, a bit of a whatever you want to call it. And so that's that's what we're doing here. We're we're stopping for a moment saying, God, what is it you're where do you want to lead us? Where do you want to stretch us? Where do you want us to go? And I've really got this, this word of spirit and truth, and it's found in John chapter 4. Uh, there's a great story there, uh, of spirit and truth. And actually, later in the year, um, not that much later, maybe term two, I think it is, uh, we're going to begin preaching through the, the Gospel of John. Um, and it may take us more than this year, um, as I've planned out the, the sermons, um, Anyway, so we'll get back to this story again, and we'll, we'll look at it afresh, so that, that'll be great. Um, but we're, we're in John chapter 4, we're looking at this idea of spirit and truth, and uh, the visual that I want you to think of is that this train track that has two, a train track has two rails, um, and we know that they're doing lots of work on train tracks around here all the time, aren't they? Um, they're, inevitably, they're trying to get two rails to be parallel together so the train can drive on them. And then when you look at a train track, I don't know if we've got a picture there, um, as you look up and you see the two, the two tracks, they make one point in the distance. And ultimately, spirit and truth are two rails of the same track heading towards the same destination of us worshipping God, giving glory to God, and other people seeing that as well. And so we looked at that idea that two tracks running together towards the same goal, one's not more important than the other, They are both equally important, the truth, uh, the Word of God, if you like, and the Spirit of God, the Spirit moving through us, and the way we connect to God through the Holy Spirit, working together in unity and agreement for God's glory and our deepest satisfaction. And that's what uh, John chapter 4, the story of a Samaritan woman, is really all about. So I want to read a little section of it, uh, just verses 21 to 24, just to recap uh, where we're up to. And then we're going to look at the idea of truth, this morning. We're going to delve a little bit deeper into this idea, and then next week we'll look a little d- deeper into the idea of spirit. So John chapter 4, verse 21 to 24, it says this, Jesus told her, the Samaritan woman, believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know, we worship what we do know, because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and is now here, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. God, we thank You for Your Word this morning, and we thank You that it is able to teach us, correct us, rebuke us, encourage us, challenge us, breathe life into us, and God, we pray that it would do all those things this morning. We pray that You would help us to understand it and to, more importantly, obey it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you a truth teller? Are you someone who tells the truth 100% of the time? No. <laughs> we have a truth teller down front. Is that? Are you a truth seeker? I think, you know, um, I find this interesting that, that for, I would say, most of us at some points in our life don't always tell the 100% truth. If we're completely honest. If we're completely honest. We don't always tell. And if, have you got young kids? 
Yeah, I do. And it's, it's a real conundrum, especially around December time, like this idea of like, what do we say? With those big questions of um, what happens at that time of year. What do we say? I don't want to encase those little kids in the room. What do we say? Um, but we all seek truth, don't we? Like, we, if you're like me, I, I can't stand it when someone doesn't tell me the truth. If someone tells me a lie to my face and then I find out later, oh, you didn't tell me the truth, like, just tell me the truth. I'd, I'd rather be told the truth and be upset or hurt then than find out later that you try to do that to, to save my feelings or, to, or whatever. So we all love the, the truth being told to us, but we're not always great at telling the truth. Um, but I think we all like the idea of um, people telling the truth, of people being truthful. Um, and if we're honest, we don't always tell the truth because there's, there's a few reasons. Maybe because we want to save someone's feelings. Uh, maybe fear of punishment, maybe embarrassment, maybe shame. Maybe it's pain. There's a whole host of reasons why we don't always tell the truth, and some of them very valid. Um, and this morning's message is not about us telling the truth uh, in that sense. But I just think it's interesting that we all desire to have the truth. And there's different levels of truth as well. Like I might say, I've got eight hours of sleep. just took me three days to get there. And so I say something like that. It's, it's true, but it it leaves you down a road that's maybe a little bit deceptive because you heard me say, I got hours, eight hours of sleep last night and I wish I did. Um, and this is not the biblical idea of truth. The biblical idea of truth is not deception, but truth and reality. Truth and honesty, uncompromising. And so, like I said, the theme for, for this year is spirit and truth. This is how we worship how we assign God the most worth in our life, worthship, and the track that takes us towards real joy and living water and deep satisfaction. And so one of these rails of this track is truth. And so I want to look at this idea of truth from two angles this morning, two angles, from humility and reality, humility and reality. And so we're going to start with this idea of humility, truth from this angle of humility. And when I say humility, what I'm what I'm really uh, getting to is the heart of surrender. And you might phrase it like this, he knows more than I and he knows better than I. He knows more than I, he knows better than I. This is a real place of humility. Where God, I, where we say, God, I'm not you and I know, even though I don't understand, that you know more than I do. And here's the thing about us and God, that we are not on the same level. And when it comes to taking a track to worship God and to receive this living water that Jesus offers the, the woman at, um, in John chapter 4, truth can't be defined by us. Truth can't be defined by people. It has to be de defined by Him. You have to come to a place where you give up being God and let Him be God. Where, you, where we uh, allow him to determine what is truth and what isn't. We can have all the feelings in the world we like, but he alone is the truth teller. For example, sometimes, and I don't know if this is true of you, but sometimes as a Christian I feel like, am I really saved? Am I really in God's family? Does God really love me? And I can have all those feelings that I like, 
But the truth is that Jesus died for my sins and he forgave me and I am saved. And so sometimes our feelings and the truth don't always line up. And we like to, as, as people think, well, that's my truth. And I want to suggest that it might be your truth or your reality or your feelings, but ultimately the truth is defined by God and who God is. My feelings don't determine what truth is, thank goodness, but He does. And God is the truth. The Father, the Son and the Spirit are the truth. In Romans 3, verses 3 and the start of verse 4, it says, What then, if some were unfaithful, will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Absolutely not. Let God be true, even though everyone is a liar. God is truth. God the Father is truth. He cannot lie. And so, He is trustworthy. You see, humans, we change our truth. Day to day sometimes, week to week, year to year, century to century. Our truth changes over time. Our idea of what is true changes over time. God's idea of truth never changes. You know, that song we sang, Christ is my firm foundation. This is why it's such a firm foundation. Because he doesn't change. His truth never changes. He's unable to lie. He can only tell the truth. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus declares himself to be the truth. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is the truth, along with the Father. And there are not multiple truths, but one. Not multiple ways to life, but one. It's an exclusive sort of deal. It's not some of what Jesus says, some of what I think, some of what um, I got taught at school, some of this, some of that. What the Bible speaks on, it is, that's it. It's not some of what my tradition says or some of what culture says. It's either Jesus is the truth, he is the way, and the only way, or he's not. There's... He doesn't, as you read through the Gospels, he doesn't leave you with the middle ground that so much of our culture wants us to, to live with, this pluralistic idea that you can have a little bit of Christianity, you can have a little bit of Buddhism, you can look at the stars and get some horoscopes, you can do this, you can do that, you can just sort of blend it all together and just work out what the best mix for you is. Jesus, when you read through and when you understand who Jesus is, he doesn't allow you that luxury. He says, I'm either the truth or I'm, you can't follow me. I'm not some of the truth, I'm the truth. It's confronting. And then the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is truth as well. In John 16, verse 13, it says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own, but He will speak whatever He hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. And this really highlights the idea of these two tracks coming hand in hand. The Spirit and truth cannot be separated. The Spirit and the truth work hand in hand, two rails of the same track. They are always in agreement. They're always in agreement. And we'll talk a little, bit, a little bit more about this next week, but the idea that when God speaks to us, it has to line up with Scripture. It has to line up with the truth. The Spirit will never speak us to us regarding something that's not um, backed up by Scripture or doesn't contradict Scripture. Scripture. They're always in agreement. And so the idea of um, truth being approached with humility is key here. 
that we allow God to determine and decide what is truth. And for the woman at the well, that's what she had to uh, realise, that she came with her own baggage and her own sin and her own uh, situation and Jesus spoke truth to her and said, you know, you've been living with, you've had five husbands, the person you're living with now is not your husband. And in doing so, he was revealing the law to her and saying, this is not right. This is the way to live. There was a confrontation of truth. One of our values here at SBC is truth seekers, pursuing Jesus wherever he takes us. And for us to really pursue truth, we have to remain humble and teachable. As I was thinking about this, um, and I thought about, you know, there's however many people here this morning. I'm terrible at working out how many people come on a Sunday morning, but let's say 150 of us. And I can guarantee there's probably 150 different opinions on different aspects of the Bible. (laughs) And so what I'm going to say is that you are wrong on some of your theology, and I am wrong on some of mine. (laughs) There are things that you are wrong on, and there are things that I'm wrong on. And that's dangerous, because I'm up here with a microphone. But the truth of God's Word is what we have to keep centre. None of us have a perfect theology or a complete understanding of truth. A lot of us are very confident in what we believe and why, and I think that's, I think that's really important. But we must, with that confidence, remain humble and teachable, approaching the truth that God gives with humility. Because, you know, the Bible talks about the, the heart being deceptive and we come with our own motivations. We come with our own ideas of what we want truth to say, what we want it to be. And if, we don't, if we're not careful, we can just say, well, that's the way it has to be. And so this idea of humility, that God, you are the truth giver, you are the truth teller. I'm not. We must be seekers and we can't be passive in that. It's not just for some of us to understand the truth of God's word and others don't need to worry about it. We all have a responsibility to seek the truth in God's word. And this goes a little bit back to what I was talking about last week, that you'll lean on one track more than the other. You'll be more inclined to lean into the word of God than the spirit of God or you'll be more inclined to press into the spirit's work than the word of God. But my encouragement this morning is to seek truth. If you're already leaning this way, Help others lean that way too. Help others seek the truth, understand the truth, grow in it. And if you lean the other way, find those that do and get around them and and let them help you grow in this area. And if you're not great at this, like I said, get around those and learn from them. So this is the idea of humility, that that we need to come humbly before God, allowing Him to, to give us His truth. And then the second... Uh, angle of truth is this idea of reality and this woman was caught in her own reality and it wasn't pretty there was an exposing nature of her interaction with Jesus maybe the most exposed she'd ever felt in her life that she'd been traveling through life trying to live a certain way do certain things hoping that no one would ever find out or maybe that she knew that they did she never felt as exposed in this moment as she did. But you know the amazing thing about the exposing nature of Jesus' truth is that 
He knows more than you realise and he loves you more than you realise at the same time. He knows more than you realise and he loves you more than you realise. So often we come to God, we come in on Sunday morning and we put on a bit of a mask. Some of us, it's a really big one. For others, it's just a little bit. Because we want to look the part, we want to sound the part, we want to make sure that oh, there's all these people in here and they've all got their lives together. So I've got to pretend like I've got my life together too. I don't want to be exposed. I don't want, to, I don't want my life to be put on display because maybe it doesn't quite measure up to how everyone else's life seems to measure up in this place. My um, youngest child, Eden, has started playing peekaboo with her hands. And if you've had a young child before and you know that when they start hiding from you and they put their hands over their face, um, she thinks she can't be seen, even though I can see her eyes and obviously see her. And I think sometimes this is what we must look like to God when we hide from him, is that we put on this mask of like, I don't want to expose what's really going on, what my heart's really telling me or what my mind's thinking about. So I'm just going to put on a bit, I'm just going to ignore that little area of my life whenever I come to worship God or whenever I come to read his word or whenever I go to pray, I'm just going to box that little bit up and pretend it's not there. And I reckon that's exactly what we look like to God. It's like, he sees, he sees you. He sees more than you can see about yourself. He sees every part of you. Yet he still loves you. Yet he still invites you in. This is the amazing thing about this story in John chapter 4 is he saw every part of this woman, every part of her life, he knew it all. And he still invited her into relationship, to a conversation, to a better way to live. There was no shame hurled her way, but in only grace. And the thing with us Christians is we like to pretend. We have this thing where we need to be seen as better than we actually are. Like everyone in this room is perfect. And so we think, well, I better pretend like I'm perfect too. Like every family is perfect. Like no one is lying. No one's drinking too much. No one's sleeping with someone that they're not married to. No one's watching pornography. No one's gambling. No one's abusive. Every marriage is perfect, but the reality is all these things are happening in the people in this room. And this is the reality that Jesus wants us to come to him with. And he has so much grace for us. The invitation from Jesus is to come to me in truth. Come to me in your reality. Don't pretend you're someone you're not. Come as you are. There is room for you. There is room for you in his love and his grace. You know, Adam and Eve, they hid from God because of their shame. And the thing about hiding parts of our life from God is that we end up hiding all of it because of that shame. We start with just hiding a little bit and then that bit that we hide can grow and grow and grow until we just end up, I've just got to hide it all. I can't come before God as I am anymore. When we come to Jesus as we are, with all our sin, with all our brokenness, and with a desire to be changed into his image, 
There is no shame. But there's just a loving embrace. You know, probably my favourite story in Scripture is in Luke 15 of the prodigal son or the loving father. And I just love that picture of the son who's caught in that moment of sin. He's not even caught. He just comes to a point where he's like, this is terrible. I've got to go back to my father. And there's no sense in that he has to hide what he's done or who he is because he knows the truth about his father, that he can come just as he is and his father will love him. His father will accept him. And that's the point that Jesus makes through that story is that your father loves you. He wants you just to come as you are. We don't always need more truth because we don't know what it is. Sometimes we need more truth because we've forgotten who we are and whose we are. I know for our kids, sometimes they behave in ways that we don't like, and so we will say things to them like, that's not, that's not the, the son that I know. That's not who you are. You're, a, you're kind, you're generous, you're thoughtful. And we remind them who they are. And that's what God wants to do through the truth of his word. He wants you to come in reality. He wants you to remember that you are his son. You are his daughter. You were bought at a price. And so as we come and seek truth, we need to come with these two ideas of humility. Come with humility. Come recognizing that he knows more than you do. And come in reality. Come as you are. Don't hide anything from him. Because he knows it all anyway. He sees it all anyway. And then the purpose of truth, the purpose of truth is that truth aims at love. Truth aims at love. 1 Timothy 1 verse 5, it says, Now the goal of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience and a sincere faith. The goal of truth is not to be right. The goal of truth is not to be right. And in our culture, that seems like the goal. Doesn't it? To be right. It's like, who can know the most? Who can be the most right? But the goal of truth is not to be right. The goal of truth is love. It's not driven by pride, but it's driven by the other. And if truth aims at love, love aims at truth. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 6, love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. You know, truth isn't always nice, but it's always loving. Truth isn't always nice, but it's always loving. And Jesus' truth always comes with grace. And when it comes to Jesus, grace and truth can't be separated. We looked at that idea last week too. They go hand in hand. John 1 tells us about that. And so I want to encourage you this morning. This is a a saying that I think Dale Stevenson from Crossway says all the time, truth is your friend when you know you are loved. Truth is your friend when you know you are loved. When someone tells you the truth and you know they love you, it's always your friend. It's always helpful. And so you can approach God's word with humility and in your reality because you know that you are loved. He's not doing it because he's got some ego problem and he needs to be right. He says his truth because he loves us. His desires are for our life are better than our own desires for our life. And I want to remind you of this truth, that he loves you and his invitation stands as you are. You don't need to hide who you are, what you've done, even what you've done yesterday, 
or what you've thought about today, you don't need to hide any of that. You can come as you are. He loves you and there's grace for you. There's a a desire from, from God to see you come into the fullness of who you are. Don't hide, but come into his presence. Discover the truth. Discover his grace. And you'll see them both in complete fullness. They go hand in hand, his truth and his grace. Where we give truth and sometimes shame, God always gives truth and grace. Hand in hand. You know, I want us to, to stand and we're going to pray. We're not going to sing a last song, but I want us to, to pray together as we finish this morning. And maybe this morning I've said something and it's the Spirit's at work in your life and He's revealing something, a truth to you, maybe about His grace, maybe about His love. And I'd love to pray for you this morning. Maybe you've never been able to come to God in your own reality, in your own sense of who you are for fear of shame or punishment. I'd love to pray for you this morning. So just as we close our eyes, and if you'd like me to include you in this prayer, just as an act of humility and surrender we've been talking about, maybe you can just lift your hands or put them out in front of you. Lord Jesus, you see us as we are. You know everything about us. Nothing is hidden from you. And yet you still choose to love us. And God, I pray that that truth would dwell so deeply within our hearts this morning. God, that it would be the firm foundation on which we build our life. That we are your children and that we are loved by you, accepted by you, purposed in you to do all the things you have planned for us. And God, I pray for anyone here this morning that feels like maybe they've messed up too much. God, again, that your truth would shine a light on that lie. There is no no one too far gone for God, for you not to save and to love and to bring back into right relationship. Your grace is enough. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you for it and we pray that we might be a church, we might be a people that is teachable, by your word, that holds it in high regard but doesn't hide who we are. Comes to you in our reality and experiences your grace and changed by your truth. So Lord God, we thank you so much for the way you lead us, for the way you guide us, for this family that we get to be a part of. And we pray that you would guide us in your truth and your spirit as we go this year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I pray you have a great week. Don't forget, next Sunday, uh, the prayer walk is on in Yarram, and we'd love to see you there if you can make it down.